0: whole bunch of the people in, a, in the world that we live in don't even know him and if you know him you know him so you can make him known Amen. everybody around you needs to know that he's real well had not the music been wonderful today it always is but let's thank Pastor Mike and all of those, Pascal <clears throat> wonderful and we so so appreciate. Your attention to worship, it's important. Sometimes people pull away from worship because of what they're going through. And they fail to realize that worship is what's going to take them through it. So you don't worship when things get right. You worship so they will. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to the Lord. And their chains fell off. Amen. Prison bars were opened. So you worship your way out of your mess and know that God inhabits the praise of his people. Today we're going to begin studying a new series and take our time for the next several weeks. So if you will take your Bibles and turn to the book of Haggai, chapter number one. The book of Haggai, chapter number one. Now we're going to make you work to find Haggai, aren't we? <laughs> Unless you got your phone. Haggai let me give you a shortcut go to the new testament which starts with Matthew and go backwards last book of the old testament is Malachi before Malachi is Zechariah before Zechariah is Zephaniah no before Zechariah is Haggai right so Zephaniah, Haggai Zechariah, Malachi so if you start from Genesis I'll be halfway through the mess by the time you get there so go backwards (laughs) from Matthew or from Malachi and find Haggai now every Christian ought to read the part of the Bible that God wrote to you what part of the Bible got right to you oh. every believer ought to read the whole Bible now you can't read it all in a day but you can easily read it through in a year I know some of you are thinking, thank you, Pastor. Next year, I'm going to read through the Bible. No, no, your year should start now, all right? You can finish your, start your Bible in the middle of the year, finish it the rest of the year. If you work hard, you can read through twice a year. You get real in, ambitious like my mom, you'll read it through four times in a year, all right? But every Christian ought to read through the Bible. And I'm not telling you when you ought to do it, how long you ought to do it, but you ought to read it. You cannot build a deep Christian life. If you're only reading parts of the Bible, you'll understand it as it takes time. You'll never understand how many of you married, been married for over 20 years. You're still trying to understand your wife. All right. So, so you, the more you talk, my mom just said, why'd you do that? See, 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 that proves my point. See, that's 57 years. But I guarantee you, you understand each other a whole lot more in 57 than you did at the first year. The more you listen to God talk, the more you'll understand what he's talking about. So we have to read through the Bible. Some have never read Haggai. We're going to find out there's good. There's more stuff in the Bible besides Psalms and Proverbs. So let's read. This morning, I just want to lay the foundation to give you what this book is about. In the next several weeks, we'll deal with it in detail. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, In the first day of the month came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet, unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh whom? Now, all of the Bible was written by whom? God, right? God breathed it to men. But here in the middle of verse number two, in a book that God is already speaking in, because he wrote the whole Bible, Haggai says, Thus saith the Lord. So the Lord is telling Haggai what to write, but now Haggai is telling the people what the Lord said. Don't you think y'all listen when God's talking? Thus saith the Lord of hosts saying. Next two words. Talk to me. Come on, next two words. This This people. This people. God's pointing them out. Say the time has not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? Now, therefore, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your way. You have so much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there's none warm. He that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your way. Turn to your neighbor and say, consider your ways. Let the church say amen. Amen. Our Father, we pray you have thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me preach what thus saith the Lord. Use the Bible as you have time and time again. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Say the statement with me again. Consider your ways. Say it again. One more time. Anybody ever heard of the Babylonian captivity? This is bondage that the people of Israel were in, in a place called Babylon. Now, we know that the nation of Israel was God's chosen people. God chose them to be his own, called Abraham Abraham from the earth, of the Chaldees, produced of him a mighty nation. And and through Abraham, the nation of Israel was born. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob's name changed to Israel. Israel had how many sons? Twelve. Those twelve sons are known as the twelve tribes of Israel. Everybody following? So Israel, God's chosen people. So why would God choose people? Because he can. Now he didn't pick them and exclude everybody else. He picked them to reveal him to everybody else. So when you look at Israel and say, oh, that's not fair, God picked them. No, 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 no. God picked them. He made himself known to them so they would make him known to the world. Listen to me. If God wasn't fair, you wouldn't be saved. You're not an Israelite. And let's not allow some of this conjured up religion to confuse us as to who we are. There is a whole strand of religion that is misconstruing Israelites and black people. and that is that is religion that does not espouse to scripture nor to scripture advocate it we look black folk have gone through some stuff and it is well documented we are not the people that are in the book of exodus in egypt in captivity and god does not intend for us to make the old testament talking about us when that's not who he's talking about we do thank god for the jewish people because through the jews somebody named jesus a lion of the tribe of judah was born and the jews produced the messiah that messiah didn't just die for the jews he died for the whole world Amen. But the bulk of the Old Testament is centered around Israel. Israel's dealings with God. And how Israel was supposed to show God to the rest of the world. So every time you hear God saying, don't you marry people of other lands. Don't you unite with people of other nationalities. That is not God in the Bible preaching against Uh, being married to someone of a different race that's not what he was saying when God said to Israel I don't want you to marry outside of your people he wasn't talking about black and white people not getting married he was saying the other people don't serve me like you serve me and by the way whoever you marry if you marry a black person white person green person yellow person it ain't the color of their skin that matters it's whether or not they have character enough to serve almighty God and it annoys me that people take Scripture that was written for Jews to separate from other nations and use that to say, white shouldn't marry blacks, and black shouldn't marry Spanish, and Spanish shouldn't marry Asian. Listen, you better marry somebody who loves God, whatever color they are, amen? So Israel's got all these laws in the Old Testament, all these ordinances, We spent weeks in Leviticus chapter number 10, chapter 8, chapter 6, and thereabout discussing God's laws about sacrifices. These were laws for the Jews. The Jews were bound by these laws because God gave them an order. He knew that they were sinners and he wanted them to have a way to sacrifice for their sins. Say amen if you know you're a sinner. Good gracious, alive, of all the things that people should have to convince you of, being a sinner should not be one of them. But Israel has a system of laws in the Old Testament that God gives them so that they can stay right before him. That law was just temporary. That law was just a shadow. That law was just a forerunner. That law was just a pathway. The law was never good enough to save anybody. It was just good enough to keep us as right with God as we could be and to reveal to us that we can't stay right. Galatians says it this way, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Are you thankful for schoolmasters that will teach us information that we didn't learn so we can learn properly? That's what the law did for us. The law showed us that we're sinners. It brought us unto Christ. When the law revealed to us that we were sinners, it showed us that we needed a Savior. What the law couldn't do, Jesus came and did. But the law showed us that we needed Jesus. Everybody understand? So Israel has been given law, they've been given sacrifices, they've been given ordinances, they've been given all of this in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that they're supposed to do the Ten Commandments that you and I are familiar with. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, don't take the Lord's name in vain, don't commit adultery, don't bear false witness, don't covet, don't steal. All these things, these are things that God is giving his people to say, you're mine, the world is not, so I expect you to live differently. Well, they didn't. And so God sent Israel, or Judah, if you would, into Babylonian captivity. God allowed the wicked, the most wicked people on all of the earth to take the Jews, bring them to their land, and force them to stay there for 70 years. Everybody say 70 years. years. So the Babylonian captivity marked a very critical time in Jewish history. And while the Jews were in Babylon, they were as miserable as miserable could be. Nothing they could call their own, no temple, no songs to sing. The psalmist says in Psalm 137, 4, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? This was the voice that was echoing the Jews. They were in Babylon, and when they were in Judah and in Jerusalem, they had a temple, and God was worshipped, and they had laws, and they had rules, and they knew Jehovah. But when they ended up in Babylon, they had false idols and statues, and they had pagan kings and pompous leaders like Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar and all these These people that were full of themselves that that made rules against them if they prayed to God and made them bow down to to, to things that were not God. So there was no temple, there was no God worship. Babylon was as pagan as pagan could be. If you will turn to the end of your Bible and look at Revelation when you have some time, you're going to see John the Revelator talk about Babylon falling, the empire of Babylon falling. And it's talking about the system in the world that is pagan, that is vile, and it lists things like, like drugs and alcohol and murders and killing everything that's going on in the world today of that kind of like is akin to Babylon it was as vile as vile could be can you imagine being a Christian taken from your homeland and forced to live in Babylon some days I feel like we're getting a taste of it now they didn't want to be there they long to go back home. They longed to be back in Jerusalem. They long to be back where the pl- to the place where their songs could be sung, where the temple was. They longed to be back where God's name was exalted. By the way, don't you look forward to the day when God creates a new heaven and a new earth, and we won't have to debate with people about who's God and who's right. Aren't you glad for the day that one day Jesus is going to sit on the throne, every knee's going to bow, every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ, is, there will be no debates, religious debates at all. There's coming a day where there's going to be one God that's recognized, one king that's recognized, his name is Jesus. I can't wait until that day. But Judah was, was in Babylon, longing to return. Doomed there, until God raised up a man by the name of Cyrus. Cyrus was a king of Persia. On Wednesday nights, we're, we're, we're preaching through the book of Esther. All of that happens in Persia. Cyrus is the king in Persia. Cyrus was the one that gave the first order that Jews could return home. Okay, So when you read the book of Esther... You talk about Esther and Mordecai and others. They're those that are still left there in Persia after the other Jews had gone home. So so Cyrus comes with good news. Could you imagine being a Jew in Babylon, waiting to go home, longing, staying there for years in that pagan land, wanting to go back to Jerusalem, and God raises up a king who doesn't even know God, and that king decides, you know what, I'm going to let y'all people go home. Don't you think that would have been a good day? What a joy it was to to finally be back home. By the way, Cyrus' name means "sun," S-U-N, and what a bright light it was for God's people to be released to go back home. They arrived back to a land, however, that was destroyed, run down, and in ruins. As a matter of fact, there are three R's to describe the land to which the Israelites returned. Somebody say, ruin. Somebody say, remnant. That means a small group of people. And somebody say, reproach. That means embarrassment. It's embarrassing when God's people are living in ruins. And yet God had raised him up. And when Cyrus sent the people back to go rebuild God's city, it was a wonderful day. Isaiah 44, 28 says, Thus saith Cyrus, He is my shepherd. He shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple the foundation shall be laid. I have raised him up in righteousness. I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city, and he shall let go my captives. Cyrus, who I said, has a name that means son. God raised him up to free the exiles, to commission them to return to Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple. Listen, the place where God was worshiped was broken down in ruins. Can you imagine getting back to the place where you had been and the temple of God? I'm not talking about the ABC store. I'm not talking about the casino. I'm not talking about the rec center. I'm talking about the place where God was worshiped was in shambles, was in ruins, and these people were back home, but they were not back to the home that was like it when they first left. Cyrus lets them go back home, and it was good to be back home, but sometimes when you get back home, it means back to work. God graciously protected them. They had carried valuable temple treasures and brought them back from Babylon to Jerusalem. Cyrus allowed They arrived there, saw that the temple was in ruins, and got to work. They laid the foundation, got busy, seemed like the work was on the move until conflict came. Enemies showed up. How many of you know when you try and do something right, enemies show up? Come on now. You're trying to get your marriage right. You're trying to read your Bible. You're trying to pray. You're trying to be faithful And you. You're trying to do what you're supposed to do. Hey, let me tell you something. The devil don't like when you do right. Can I get a witness? So here's what conflict did. It caused the work to cease. They gave in to the conflict. As a matter of fact, the conflict was so strong that even leaders of that time were disallowing them, if you would, to do the work. And some of us might think, well, at least if it was made illegal to do the work, I can see why they didn't work anymore. Here's the problem. Once those enemies were gone and it wasn't illegal anymore, they still weren't working. So they went from one struggle to another. The first struggle was the struggle of discouragement because they had enemies. How many of you have been discouraged at times in your Christian life because of people that are against you? But here's what happened after the enemies were removed. They went from a different vice. They went from discouragement to apathy. Now here's what apathy is. We don't care. Nothing bothers us anymore. We have no urgency, we have no intensity, we have no motivation, we have no drive. We get to be blah, we get to be bland. Apathy would be akin to Laodicea in Revelation, lukewarm. There's no fire, there's no excitement, there's no vigor, there's no enthusiasm, there's no drive. There's no, listen, there's no flame in our lives. This is where the Judah had become. They found themselves apathetic, lifeless, numb, and and lethargic this is the scene of Haggai chapter 1 this is the tone of God's people this is the tenor of how God's people were front. this is the spirit that was occurring in the people of God they were God's people they had been deli- wait a minute look at me just a moment I'm not talking about lifelessness among the world who didn't know God. I'm not talking about lethargy among people who had never met. I'm talking about people who had experienced God bring water from the rock. Who had experienced God deliver them. People who, got, who had experienced God raise up Cyrus. Send them back home. Get them out of ba- Listen to me. If Babylon was that bad and God got you out of it, don't you think when you get back to Judah, you ought to hit the ground running? So Haggai comes to the people of God in their spirit of apathy with this challenge. Consider your way. The word consider means to think about carefully, especially with regard to taking some action. Here's what Haggai said. Hadn't God been good to you? Didn't God raise up Cyrus? Listen, didn't God send Cyrus to send y'all back home? Didn't he let you take all those temple treasures that were in Babylon and take them back home to Jerusalem? Didn't he release you from this wicked place? Didn't he let you go somewhere where there was a temple? Didn't you get back where you could praise God freely? Didn't you get the ability to lift up your hands in total praise to God? Didn't you have breath in your lungs to let everything that have breath praise the Lord? Shouldn't it be a good day every day you wake up knowing that God has delivered you and you can give God praise? So Haggai looks at those people and say, then why aren't you working? Why aren't you building? Why aren't you doing? Why aren't you getting wood? Why is the temple lying waste? Why'd you stop doing what you're supposed to do? Why'd you quit? Why'd you let your enemies get the best of you? Why'd you give in? Why you give up why'd you give out Cyrus released you the sun is shining in your life God's been good to you consider think about what you're doing but don't just think about it and let the thoughts leave you think about it with an intention to do something about it now here's the here's the foundation I want to lay this morning and let you go home do you remember when you were in the muck and mire of sin no, I need more than, a, than seven grunts right there. Do you remember when you were lost and on your way to a devil's hell in the muck and mire of sin? Do you remember when you were blind and could not see? Do you remember when you were dead and lifeless without God? Do you remember when you didn't have a savior? Do you remember when you were headed to a devil's hell? Do you remember when you were a child of Adam? Do you remember when you were in bond- Do you remember when you tried to do right and couldn't? Tried to kick that habit and couldn't? Tried to change your life around and— couldn't. The church couldn't do it. Baptism couldn't do it. Friendships couldn't do it. Turning over a new leaf couldn't do it. Do you remember where Israel was in Babylon? Well, that's where you and I were, lost and on our way to a devil's hell, in the slave market of sin, with no hope and no help. It's interesting that in Isaiah, the Bible says, God raised up Cyrus, whose name is Son, S-U-N. Aren't you glad when you were in the muck and mire of sin, God raised up a man named Jesus, whose son, S-O-N. Amen? Aren't you glad that came and bled and suffered for your sins aren't you glad He washed you in His blood He redeemed you, He justified you He reconciled you, He glorified you, He adopted you, He put the Holy Spirit inside of you, He's given you a Bible, He's given you freedom to serve He's given you a local church, He's given you family, He's given you friends, He's given you freedom, we're sitting in a church this morning, there's nobody lined up on that wall with machine guns that tells us that we can't praise God, We can. there are countries where that, listen to me, I'm just trying to ask you this morning, hadn't God God been good to you? Hadn't God been faithful to you? Hadn't God redeemed you? But here's the problem He's been so good, and yet there is an overwhelming spirit of apathy. The commonality of blah among the people of God. No drive. It's amazing how many people I'm around and I listen to them talk about the stuff they love with such passion and I watch them in church with no passion. And so the pastor has come on behalf of Almighty God to look at the members of Crossroads Baptist Church saying, based on what God Has done for you. If you're saved, say amen. Amen. If you're going to heaven, say amen. amen. If you ain't going to hell, say amen. You got the Holy Ghost inside of you, say amen. Your name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, say amen. He woke you up this morning, say amen. You're in your right mind, say amen. You got clothes on your back, say amen. You got food on your table, say amen. If he's protected you, say amen. If he's redeemed you, say amen. If he's been good to you, say amen. If he's blessed you, say amen. If you have a good, good father, say amen. Now, considering what he's done for you what are you doing for him and for the next several weeks I'm going to ask you consider think deeply with an intention to take action because God has been too good for us to be this bad. Amen. And if you consider your ways and conclude that nothing about you needs to change based on what God has done for you, you need to do some more considering. And God help us. And while I'm thinking about Foy Clo, you ought to want to be in a church that makes you consider. And a whole bunch of folks don't want that. I said they don't want it. They'd like to go down somewhere where they can walk in church in sin and not have to consider it. Sit there in a church with 10,000 people and do nothing and not have to consider it. Every single believer in this church should be challenged every time you come here to do something for God. And so I joined Haggai. And I join you in this all important endeavor. Consider your ways, our Lord and our God. We've got a lot to think about. We 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 always thinking about what is done for us and not often enough thinking about what we're doing for you heads bowed nice closed no one looking around pastor I'm one of those people that's been saved I know I'm going to heaven I've trusted Christ as my savior the light of Jesus has shined on me I'm going to heaven and I know it would you put your hand up all over the building I'm going to heaven and I know it. God bless you. God bless you. Put your hand down. Put your hand down. Now let me ask you this. Of those of you that just raised your hand. Pastor, I'm saved. God's been good to me. Watch this. Pastor, you got me thinking this morning. I, 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 I need to do some considering. Some considering. Not about God's ways by my own ways, and I'm willing to go through that tedious, rigorous endeavor to contemplate how I can do better. If that's you which put your hand up all over the building. Oh, bless you. God help us. Consider your way. Last question. How many say, Pastor? I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I don't want to go to hell. I'm not 100% sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm 100% sure I don't want to go to hell. Please pray for me. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Would you let me pray for you? Anybody like that? Just slip it up long enough for me to see it. I don't know I'm going to heaven, but I know I don't want to go to hell. my right God bless you thank you for your honesty we sure would love to help you sure we would to show you how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven as the music is playing Christian all over the building would you bow your head start thinking come on now we, we brainstorm about everything well I need to figure out how to make more money I need, I, need, I, need, I need to figure out a way how to make this work when the last time you figured out a way to serve God better how much brains Hey, the you know, last time you sat down and took hours and hours and said, and let me figure out how I can be a better Christian that's what, that's what Haggai is saying consider this young person that raised your hand today about trusting Christ as Savior we'd love to help you well, if you'd be willing to come we get somebody to take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven because Christ already paid the price it's just about your willingness to accept the payment whosoever will let him come Christian you pray all over the building and if you're here today and you'd like to trust Christ as Savior, would you come today? Would you come? We'll have we'll let somebody show you. If you're willing to get up from your seat, just walk forward and say, I, I, I want to know how I'm going, how I can go to heaven. Why don't you come? Don't be embarrassed. Christians all over the building are praying. Yes. Pray, would you, Christian? How about it if you're not sure you're going to heaven? Would you come? Would you come? I'm asking you, would you? Would you? Bless you. Dignan Hartwell, would you come? Just come right this way. God bless you, son. If you're glad somebody came to meet Jesus. Let's give God the praise to them. <laughs> bless, bless you. God bless you, I'm so proud of you. He's going to take you and show you. you. Okay? Whosoever will, let him come. I like that young man. He looked right up at me and said, You want me to come? Yeah. Except you be converted and become as a little child. Now listen to me, Christian. This young man just came as a child and said, I need Jesus. That's the way you ought to obey the Lord. Like a child supposed to obey his father. And we're going we listen, we, we listen. We're going to challenge one another these next couple of weeks because i found out that most Christians are looking for the easy way, looking for easy, easy Christianity, easy church, easy everything. Christian life is never meant to be easy, but you won't get any more fulfillment than you will serving God. Now, Father, thank you for your precious word, and I pray you've helped us, strengthened us, and motivated us keep being God help us to be better servants. we love you we bless you thank you for this young man who's being dealt with about his soul I pray you help him in Jesus name amen thank the Lord for the wonderful opportunity